only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Our Dominique, she said, taking his hand, and I hope that we shall often see you here. I want to present you to my cousin, who is interested in you, I must tell you frankly because of your likeness to a very dear friend of hers. Stephanie, this is Sir Everard Dominey, the Princess Eiderstrom. Stephanie, who was seated upon the couch from which her cousin had just risen, held out her hand to Dominey, who made her a very low and formal bow. Her gown was of unrelieved black. Wonderful diamonds flashed around her neck, and she wore also a tiara fashioned after the Hungarian style, a little low on her forehead. Her manner and tone still indicated some measure of rebellion against the situation. "'You have forgiven me for my insistence this morning?' she asked. "'It was hard for me to believe that you were not indeed the person for whom I mistook you.' "'Other people have spoken to me of the likeness,' Dominey replied. "'It is a matter of regret to me that I can claim to be no more than a simple Norfolk baronet. Without any previous experience of European courts?' without any at all. Your German is wonderfully pure for an untraveled man. Languages were the sole accomplishment I brought away from my misspent school days. You are not going to bury yourself in Norfolk, Sir Everard? the Princess Turnalov inquired. Norfolk is very near London these days, Dominey replied, and I have experienced more than my share of solitude during the last few years. I hope to spend a portion of my time there. "'You must dine with us one night,' the princess insisted, "'and tell us about Africa. My husband would be so interested. You are very kind.' Stephanie rose slowly to her feet, leaned gracefully over, and kissed her hostess on both cheeks, and submitted her hand to the prince, who raised it to his lips. Then she turned to Dominey. "'Will you be so kind as to see me home?' she asked. "'Afterwards my car can take you on wherever you choose to go.' I shall be very happy, Dominey assented. He, too, made his farewells. A servant in the hall handed him his hat and coat, and he took his place in the car by Stephanie's side. She touched the electric switch as they glided off. The car was in darkness. I think, she murmured, that I could not have borne another moment of this juggling with words. Leopold, we are alone. He caught the flash of her jewels, the soft brilliance of her eyes as she leaned towards him. His voice sounded, even to himself, harsh and strident. "'You mistake, Princess. My name is not Leopold. I am Everard Dominey.' "'Oh, I know that you are very obstinate,' she said softly, "'very obstinate and very devoted to your marvelous country. 
but you have a soul, Leopold. You know that there are human duties as great as any your country ever imposed upon you. You know what I look for from you, what I must find from you, or go down into hell ashamed and miserable. He felt his throat suddenly dry. Listen, he muttered, until the hour strikes, I must remain to you, as to the world, alone or in a crowd, Everard Dominey. There is one way, and one way only, of carrying through my appointed task. She gave a little hysterical sob. Wait, she begged. I will answer you in a moment. Give me your hand. He opened the fingers which he had kept clenched together, and he felt the hot grip of her hand holding his passionately, drawing it toward her until the fingers of her other hand, too, fell upon it. So she sat for several moments. Leopold, she continued presently, I understand. You are afraid that I shall betray our love. You have reason. I am full of impulses and passion, as you know, but I have restraint. What we are to one another when we are alone, no soul in this world need know. I will be careful. I swear it. I will never even look at you as though my heart ached for your notice when we are in the presence of other people. You shall come and see me as seldom as you wish. I will receive you only as often as you say. But don't treat me like this. Tell me you have come back. Throw off this hideous mask, if it be only for a moment. He sat quite still, although her hands were tearing at his, her lips and eyes beseeching him. Whatever may come afterwards, he pronounced inexorably, until the time arrives, I am Everard Dominey. I cannot take advantage of your feelings for Leopold von Ragestein. He is not here. He is in Africa. Perhaps some day he will come back to you and be all that you wish. She flung his hands away. He felt her eyes burning into his, this time with something more like furious curiosity. Let me look at you, she cried. Let me be sure. Is this just some ghastly change, or are you an impostor? My heart is growing chilled. Are you the man I have waited for all these years? Are you the man to whom I have given my lips, for whose sake I offered up my reputation as a sacrifice? The man who slew my husband and left me? I was exiled, he reminded her, his own voice shaking with emotion. You know that. So far as other things are concerned, I am exiled now. I am working out my expiation. She leaned back in her seat with an air of exhaustion, her eyes closed. Then the car drove in through some iron gates and stopped in front of her door, which was immediately opened. A footman hurried out. She turned to Dominey. You will not enter, she pleaded, for a short time? If you will permit me to pay you a visit, it will give me great pleasure, he answered formally. I will call, if I may, on my return from Norfolk. She gave him her hand with a sad smile. Let my people take you wherever you want to go, she invited. And remember, she added, dropping her voice, I do not admit defeat. This is not the last word between us. She disappeared in some state, escorted through the great front door of one of London's few palaces by an attractive major-domo, and footman in the livery of her house. Dominey drove back to the Carlton, where in the lounge he found the band playing, crowds still sitting around, 
amongst whom Seaman was conspicuous, in his neat dinner-clothes and with his cherubic air of inviting attention from prospective new acquaintances. He greeted Dominey enthusiastically. "'Come!' he exclaimed. "'I am weary of solitude. I have seen scarcely a face that I recognize. My tongue is parched with inaction. I like to talk, and there has been no one to talk to. I might as well have opened up my little house in Forest Hill.' "'I'll talk to you if you like,' Dominey promised a little grimly, glancing at the clock and hastily ordering a whiskey and soda. "'I will begin by telling you this,' he added, lowering his tone. "'I have discovered the greatest danger I shall have to face during my enterprise.' "'What is that?' "'A woman, the Princess Eiderstrom.' Seaman lit one of his inevitable cigars and threw one of his short fat legs over the other. He gazed for a moment with an air of satisfaction at his small foot, neatly encased in court shoes. "'You surprise me,' he confessed. "'I have considered the matter. I cannot see any great difficulty.' "'Then you must be closing your eyes to it willfully,' Dominey retorted, "'or else you are wholly ignorant of the princess's temperament and disposition.' "'I believe I appreciate both,' Seaman replied. "'But I still do not see any peculiar difficulty in the situation.' As an English nobleman you have a perfect right to enjoy the friendship of the Princess Eiderstrom. And I thought you were a man of sentiment, Dominey scoffed. I thought you understood a little of human nature. Stephanie Eiderstrom is Hungarian-born and bred. Even race has never taught her self-restraint. You don't seriously suppose that after all these years, after all she has suffered, and she has suffered, she is going to be content with an emasculated form of friendship? I talked to you without reserve, Seaman. She made it very plain tonight that she is going to be content with nothing of the sort. What takes place between you in private? Seaman began. Rubbish! his companion interrupted. The princess is an impulsive, a passionate, a distinctly primitive woman, with a good deal of the wild animal in her still. Plots or political necessities are not likely to count a snap of the fingers with her. But surely, Seaman protested, she must understand that your country has claimed you for a great work? Dominey shook his head. She is not a German, he pointed out. On the contrary, like a great many other Hungarians, I think she rather dislikes Germany and Germans. Her only concern is the personal question between us. She considers that every moment of the rest of my life should be devoted to her. "'Perhaps it is as well,' Seaman remarked, "'that you have arranged to go down to-morrow to Dominey. I will think out a scheme. Something must be done to pacify her.' The lights were being put out. The two men rose a little unwillingly. Dominey felt singularly indisposed for sleep, but anxious at the same time to get rid of his companion. They strolled into the darkened hall of the hotel together, I will deal with the matter for you as well as I can, Seaman promised. To my mind your greatest difficulty will be encountered tomorrow. You know what you have to deal with down at Dominey. Dominey's face was very set and grave. I am prepared, he said. Seaman still hesitated. Do you remember, he asked, that when we talked over your plans at Cape Town you showed me a picture of... of Lady Dominey? I remember... May I have one more look at it? Dominey, with fingers that trembled a little, drew from the breast pocket of his coat a leather case, and from that 
a worn picture. The two men looked at it side by side beneath one of the electric standards which had been left burning. The face was that of a girl, almost a child, and the great eyes seemed filled with a queer appealing light. There was something of the same suggestion to be found in the lips, a certain helplessness, an appeal for love and protection to some stronger being. Seaman turned away with a little grunt and commented, permitting myself to reassume for a moment or two the ordinary sentiments of an ordinary human being, I would sooner have a dozen of your princesses to deal with than the original of that picture. End of chapter 7 Recording by Tom Weiss With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.